for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Well, good morning, everyone. Trust you had a good Christmas and a happy new year. And uh, suddenly 2019 is, is going, isn't it? Um, you move from Christmas and then get back into things and think, goodness me, did we ever stop? And, uh, but uh, it's great to be alive, isn't it? It's great to be serving Jesus. And uh, it, this morning, as I've prayed about, uh, in fact, I woke up to the fact that I was speaking, I think it was on Wednesday, I suddenly thought, what's, what's happening this morning? And I, I thought, actually, I was doing, doing Barney's job. And, and, and I, I, I looked at the schedule of things, and I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm supposed to be speaking. <laughs> and I, I, I better get to, you know, sort of paying some attention to that and just sort of talking to God about it. And anyway, so what I'm sharing connects with what I shared uh, perhaps at the beginning of December about uh, the gospel, the spirit, and our emotions. Um, and, and, it's, and I've titled it Living Happy. Because I guess that's most of what we want to do, isn't it? We do want to live happy. Uh, We do want to live joyful lives, and happiness and joy go together. But I wonder what you think of when you you say, you know, happiness. Well, one of our favorite games this Christmas has been been a game called Telestrations. Have you ever come across it, anyone? Oh, good. There's a few. We've we've played it together over the Christmas period, some of us, so... Um, yeah, so Telestration is an amazing game which uh, everybody has a, a, a little kind of booklet and it has pages on it and uh, you have a word uh, that you have to write down and then you flip the page over and then somebody has to draw a picture that represents that word, then it's flipped over and the next person has to write what that picture represented, what they think it was. And if you've got big teams, it can really go crazy because we all think of things in different ways. Just to give you an example, one word that came up was a bunk bed. And our granddaughter uh, thought of it entirely from her perspective, and she sleeps on the top bunk. So she drew a bunk bed looking down from the top. And, And of course, that's kind of like, that's quite logical, isn't it? Whereas we would draw a picture of a bunk bed just by as we walk into a room, perhaps, and we, we see it there. Oh, yeah, um, there are the, the legs, etc., and there are the beds. But she did it from up top. So, so when you play this game, it, it can really end up a real laugh. We, we played it with a whole group of people, about 30 people, when we were on holiday. We'd never, do, never heard of it before. And we had the most hilarious time. So if you haven't had a hilarious time yet, go and get telestrations and, and have a game with in the community group or wherever with a whole group of people and, and just see what you come up with. So when we think of saying Happy New Year to one another, and I wonder how many times that's been said over the last few days, I, I wonder what we, we really mean. It's strange too, isn't it, that you go out for a walk and as you're walking, you meet somebody you've never seen before and perhaps you're never likely to see again. And on this particular day, on this particular occasion, they look at you and they say, Happy New Year. And, uh, <laughs> and, but, but you may never, ever see them again. And if you did, they might not even say to you anything. Um, so it's strange, isn't it, that you can do that. You can see people you've never seen before. The greeting is exchanged between you. And, uh, but what, what do we mean by that? And I found myself asking that question, because it it just rolls off our lips. What do we mean when we say Happy New Year to one another? 
Some, some maybe last year was, as, in the queen, as the Queen said a few years ago, an annus horribilis. You know, it's a, it was a horrible year. It was a bad year. It was a difficult year in so many, difficult, in so many, in so many ways. And so this year, you're hoping that it's, it's going to be a better year, a less painful year, a more objective year, a more hopeful year, a more, more joyful year. For others, perhaps, it's about the prospect of having a better job, maybe moving to another house. All sorts of things can come into that. Maybe it's getting married. And uh, all, all sorts of things there that could sort of fill that gap there. What would it mean to you and to me to have a happy new year? And it comes back to the question, doesn't it, of happiness. Uh, what, what actually is happiness? Because in many ways, we, we think about it as having happy circumstances. So if my circumstances are happy, then I will be happy, and, and we will be happy together. So it's a question of happiness. What is it? And should we pursue it, or is it a byproduct of something else? And I, I really believe this. If we want to grow a great church, we need to be a happy people. Yeah? Uh, if, we need, if we want to see the, the kingdom expanding, we need to be a happy people because the world is looking at us and saying, okay, what does Jesus do for you? And if they look at us and see that our lives are more miserable because we have to go to church on Sunday morning, that's not exactly going to be a good advert, is it? And, and, and uh, you know, Paul writes to the church at Galatia and he says, you know, where is all your joy gone? You used to be happy in Jesus, but you've lost something. You've lost that happiness. It may be this morning that you're here and you've lost that happiness. Things have happened in this past year that have eroded away at your spiritual life and, and you've lost your happiness. Well, God can give it back to you this morning. You can go out of this place filled with joy. A joy unspeakable and full of glory. Uh, some think God doesn't want us to be happy. Yeah, there are some people like that who think actually being a Christian is, is a hard job and uh, you really shouldn't have any joy in it. And uh, you, you really mustn't look as if you're enjoying it because that would be worldly, wouldn't it? Well, um, I don't think they're right. And uh, we'll touch on some more of that as we go along. And certainly the Bible doesn't think that they're right. In fact, there are some people who have some very good theology of joy, but they're so critical about the church in general that they're a pretty miserable bunch. And yet they have this amazing theology of joy. God save us from being like that. You know, God made Adam and Eve supremely happy. More happy than any of us more happy than anybody else who has ever lived apart from Jesus, who was anointed with the oil of gladness above and beyond anybody else. He made Adam and Eve supremely happy. And they enjoyed tremendous fellowship with Father God in the garden. It was something they looked forward to. It was something they enjoyed. And in it, they enjoyed serving Him. It was, it was indeed a tremendous life. Scripture, when we look at it, is about happiness lost and happiness regained. You see it lost at the beginning of the book, and you see it totally restored at the end of the book. The question is, what about the in-between? What about the in-between? But as we explore the Bible, we discover that happiness is right through the pages of Scripture. So even though we're in the midst of this 
fallen world, and even though we're in this, uh, in, as it were, on enemy territory, it is possible in this world to be happy in God, to have tremendous joy in God. And um, the first book of Psalms, for example, which I don't know whether you're aware, but the Psalms is divided up into, into several books, and the first book is from 1 to 41, and, and it's really all about being happy. It's about being filled with joy. It says right at the very beginning, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or, or join with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. And so the book of Psalms begins that way. And as you continue to explore those Psalms, you find it's all about happiness, the, the joy of forgiveness. Blessed are those who know that their sins are forgiven, uh, that they are covered, the joy of being forgiven, the joy of gathering with the people of God, the joy of serving God. The Christmas story, which we've just celebrated, begins with an announcement of joy. It says, the angel says, we bring you good tidings of great joy. This is not just a little bit of joy, not, less, not just something that will just kind of tickle you from a time to time, but this is good news of great joy, which is for all people. People both within that vicinity and beyond and will be right down to our own environments and across the ends of the earth from the north to the south, the east to the west. And so joy is there in the Christmas story. His name was called Jesus for he would save his people from their sins. That was something that was going to bring great joy to the people of God and would bring great joy to us as we encounter the gospel. Jesus begins his ministry in the same vein. And so often when we, we look at the Sermon on the Mount, we, we call it the Beatitude. So this is the attitude you've got to have in order to get this kind of blessing. No, that is not what it's saying. It is saying they are statements of blessing. If this is your condition, you are blessed. You are happy. You are filled with joy. That seems a contradiction to us. So blessed and happy are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness because they will indeed be filled. So Jesus begins his, his ministry presenting the gospel, saying this gospel is a happy gospel because it's about reconnecting people with the Father. And, uh, and then you come through the New Testament and different books and particularly the book of Philippians and it, it is the book of joy. Over and over again in it, you have referenced joy and you have that particular scripture which I want to use as my kind of scripture this morning in, in, in Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and tell them rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. Or as the uh, New Living Translation puts it in 4 verse 4, always be full of joy in the Lord. Always be full of joy in the Lord. And I say it again, rejoice. So this is Paul writing to the church in Philippians and this is the way he, he says this, that we should be happy in God. And I want to suggest to you a vision for this year of being happy in God like you have never been happy in God before. Okay? Do you think that's something that might be worth attaining to? Just being happy in God like you have never been happy in God before. 
Because you know that would change the dynamic of your life. It would impact your marriage. It would impact your family. It would impact your work. It would impact the church. And it would also impact society. There are more than a hundred verses in Scripture that use the words joy and happiness together. Because some people say, actually, they, they don't belong together, but they actually do belong together. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says, in answer to the question, what is the chief end of man? And its answer is this, it is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Now, some of us have said, well, yeah, okay, we're living in the difficult stuff right here and now, and so that refers to eternity. We'll get to really enjoy Him then, but that is not what they meant, and I do like the way John Piper retranslates it, that it's to glorify God and enjoy Him both now and forever, by enjoying Him now and forever. You know, if you don't enjoy Him now, I'm not sure whether you can really enjoy Him in eternity. And so there's a challenge for us to enjoy God now. Now maybe you will need to change your image of God. Maybe you've got a bad image of God, an austere, distant God, a God who perhaps doesn't keep his promises in your mind, or all sorts of things. And you need to go back to the Scriptures and get a better image of God. But we are called to enjoy Him now, to have wonderful delight in God. So as we head into the new year, our our focus can be on on people and events as the source of our our happiness, of our our blessedness, to use an older translation. And we'll probably find ourselves, let's be honest, we'll probably find ourselves disappointed because the best of people do let us down. And circumstances don't always go according to plan. Something happens out of the unexpected, a piece of news. And then, of course, we we battle against the the world, the flesh, and the devil. Battles that are real and sometimes intense. Paul himself spoke of it in being, being able to stand in the evil day. There are particular days in our lives when it seems as though all hell is against us. And one thing that we need to be sure of is the devil hates us. Yeah. He hates us with an vengeance. Believe you me, that 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 is how he feels about you. And he certainly doesn't want you and me to be enjoying God. He knows what it's like to be in the presence of God and to have enjoyed him uh, and and to to have been wonderfully blessed in that enjoyment. But then he, he, he declared his I wills and he fell and became the enemy as we know him, Satan. So he knows the the potential of joy in God and and what that does for an individual. And so he certainly doesn't want you happy and he certainly doesn't want me happy. And he will undermine us in all sorts of ways in order to rob us of that joy. He has no interest in your Christian life going well and will do everything to, to cause you to swerve and go off track and go in a different direction. And then you you have your flesh, which still rears its head from time to time. We still live, though we are new creations, we still live with with measures of fallenness and how that rears its head from time to time. And sometimes things we thought we, 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 we had dealt with suddenly appear in a new way and maybe we thought we were so patient and suddenly we discover our impatience in a different circumstance. Maybe we discover a power of lust in some way that we never thought of before. 
So your, your flesh rears its head and perhaps aspects of that you, you didn't think were there suddenly come through. But one thing's true is God's always on our case and he's always about transforming us, changing us from one degree of glory to another. So we have the enemy, we have the flesh, we have, we have the world as it were and the world wants us to, to lie, it, it, it wants us to be deceitful, it wants us to be caught up in its materialism, it wants us to be caught up in its objects of happiness. It wants us to have a lust for, for illicit sex. It wants us to have a lust for power. It wants us to have a, a, a desire for things that are, have been skewed from the way God intended it to be. And the enemy comes in on the back of it and says, that will make you happy. Scripture, though, focuses our, our happiness, our, our joy on and in God. And I just want, to, want you to pause for a moment and just think, where, where is your joy coming from at this moment in time? What is the source of it? Is it a reliable source? Is it in God, who alone is reliable and can be depended on? Centering our, our lives in Him and for His glory. It's neither something sentimental or superficial. As, as the song would have it, you know, uh, and you've probably heard it, uh, don't worry, be happy. As if somehow you can say, oh, 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 I was worried, now I'm happy. As if somehow there's some kind of sentimental way in which you could just overcome those worries. The Bible is very honest in dealing with the difficulties that we face in our Christian lives, with the, with the anxieties, with, with the perplexities of Christian life, and yet the ability to know God and be supremely happy in the midst of it all. That's staggering, isn't it? So it's, it's not a sentimental or, or a superficial thing. It's a, it's a very real thing and it's founded in God. And, and you know, there are numerous scriptures and I began to think of various ones here and as I studied. And, you know, the gospel is good news of great joy for all people. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And, you know, when we lose our joy, we lose our strength. I'm going to touch on that a little bit more later on. But joy and strength go together. When we lose that joy, we lose our strength as God's people in our, in, in our fight against the enemy, in our fight against the, the, the world and the flesh. So the joy of the Lord is your strength. And you can go and read the story there in Nehemiah and find out how when they lost their joy, they kind of started moaning and they started looking down, looking in on themselves and, and the work doesn't get done. Though the fig tree does not blossom and there be no fruit on the vine, Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Sometimes we just have to start acting joy. Yeah? Not because it's sentimental and unreal, but because it's founded in God, who is the sovereign ruler, who is the one who commands our destiny. Though the fig tree doesn't blossom and there be no fruit on the vine, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. It may be for some here this morning. That's exactly the circumstance that you're in. You find nothing around you in your situation and circumstances to have joy in. It's difficult. It's trying. But you can say, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. And another one, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And, and praise is a joyful thing. You know, people don't go to football matches and go cheering in a non-joyful way, do they? 
They don't praise their team, you know, oh, oh, they're winning, oh, you know. There's joy in it, come on, you know. There's that kind of thrill, there's that, that enthusiasm as, as they watch the team and as the goals, the ball hits the back of the net and the goals begin to rack up. And so we put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And maybe even this morning, this new year, you're thinking, what have I got to be happy about? You feel heavy. Then put on that garment like you would a winter coat. Put that garment on and say, I'm going to praise him. I'm going to praise him anyway because he is God and he is worthy of praise. And he is the one who knows the end from the beginning. We've already referred to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And it says, it doesn't say rejoice when you feel like it. It says rejoice in the Lord always. In your present circumstances, that difficulty you've got at work at this moment in time, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And Peter says, filled, being filled, talks of the Christian being filled with an inexpressible and a glorious joy. I mean, that's, that's wonderful, isn't it? An inexpressible and glorious joy. The psalmist says, you fill me with joy in your presence. And maybe for you, it's actually, I need to make a more, 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 more effort into spending time in the presence of God this year. But you know, you can spend time in the presence of God just say, praying your requests. What needs to be done? And that's right and that's good, but there's a place for being in his presence and just delighting in him just knowing him, just loving him, just enjoying him. You fill me with joy in your presence. The fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, as Paul says to the Galatians, is, is love, peace, joy. So that should be a fruit that's coming out in our lives, an abundance of joy. Uh, Therefore with joy shall you draw water from the wells of salvation. Count it all joy when you meet various kinds of trials. They ate their food food with gladness, it says, of the early church. They, they shared it and they ate it with great joy together. Again, sorrowful, strangely, yet always rejoicing. Sorrowful. We, we say, how, how, can you, how can you do that? How can I have sorrow and joy in the same place? Well, it's possible in God. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Psalmist again, where the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. Would you let him just cheer your soul this morning before you go out? You know? History is littered with men and women of God who, who knew joy and happiness in spite, in spite of their situations and circumstances, in spite of the most trying of situations and circumstances. Things that I can't begin to imagine, and I, I think to myself, I don't know how I would cope in that situation. The Athenian philosopher Aristides, writing to the emperor Hadrian, um, said this about the early church. Every morning and all hours, on account of the, the goodness of God towards them, they render praise and lord him over their food and their drink. They render him thanks. And if any righteous person of their number passes away from this world, they rejoice and they give thanks to God and they follow his body as though he were moving from one place to another. And when a child is born to them, they praise God. And if again it chances to die in its infancy, they praise God mightily as for one who has passed through the world without sins. 
David Murray, a professor of Old Testament and a pastor in the States, says this. He says he identifies six different kinds of happiness. He talks about nature happiness. He talks about social happiness, vocational happiness, physical happiness, intellectual happiness, and humor happiness. All those are found in God's common grace, which anybody can enjoy. You might have that experience when you watch David Attenborough and you see those tremendous pictures there portraying God's creation. They're found in God's common grace. But he he identifies another one. And it's interesting because as I was prepping for this, this word dropped into my mind. So as I was then sort of came across this particular guy and and read him, this is what he called it. He, He speaks of spiritual happiness. Spiritual happiness. There is another one which he calls spiritual happiness. And this is what he says. He says that it's a joy that at times contains more pleasure and delight than all the other six put together. Wow. I think I want some of that. Don't you? I want some of that. Jonathan Edwards, the American pastor of many years ago, referring to John 15 and 11, that scripture about Jesus' joy, might, where Jesus says that my joy might remain in you, said this, he said, the happiness Christ gives to his people is a participation of his own happiness. Do you realize that? The happiness that you and I have is meant to be a participation in Christ's own happiness. Wow. And Christ is indeed supremely happy. And God has been supremely happy in the fellowship of his eternal persons as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from all eternity and will be to all eternity. And it's out of that happiness that he created a world, out of that happiness that he created humanity in the image of God to, to, to partake of that same happiness and be expressors of it. Now for joy to be effective in our lives, there there has to be a proper recognition of our our emotions and as the older people used to call it, the ordering of our affections. Without the recognition of those emotions and without the proper ordering of our affections, they will end up ruling us. They will end up governing our lives. We will end up being ruled by worry. We will end up being ruled by sorrow. We'll end up being ruled by all sorts of things. Again, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So if something is robbing you uh, of that joy, then your, your affections are out of order. And the one that was meant to be there in king place has, has suddenly been subjugated. Go watch the film Inside Out. That will give you an inside look on that. Joy, strength lays the foundation for all maturity and growth in our Christian lives. We were made for joy. Our bodies and our, bra- our brains, they, they function better when we are full of joy. Yeah. Some of you are looking at me a little bit and saying, yeah. Is that really so? You know, when, when we lose joy, our brains become clouded in our thinking. They become darkened. The, brain, the brain's joy center, which is in the, in the right orbital prefrontal cortex, is the only part of the brain uh, that never loses its capacity to grow. Oh God, I want mine to grow as much as it can in this life. That I might be as full of the joy of the Lord as I possibly can. So sorrow and sadness shouldn't define the Christian. Because in the words of Julian of Norwich, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. 
<laughs> That's a wonderful statement, isn't it? Let's say it again. All shall be well. Join in with me. Come on. All shall be well. And all shall be well. And all manner of things shall be well. Yeah. The lives we live are to be framed not by our present circumstances, but by what is to come. The fact that God is sovereign. He's the commander of our destiny. He is the one who does indeed make all things well. And as it says elsewhere, he makes all things beautiful in his time. We may experience anger, we experience fear, anxiety, discouragement, whatever. But listen to me, the important thing is that we do not camp on those things because that is our tendency and that is what the enemy wants us to do, to camp on those things. And if we camp on those things, we are giving the enemy a foothold. And he will say to us, yeah, you are miserable, aren't you? Why don't you just be a little bit more miserable? Because life really is tough at this moment in time. And that situation is, is not working out that, that well, isn't it? And, and, well, your God just doesn't seem to be listening to you at this moment in time. Be more miserable. I've been there. I know what that's like. You can talk yourself into greater depths of misery. Do you, yeah? Do you, do you believe me? Yeah, you can talk yourself into greater depths of misery. Greater depths of fear. Greater depths of anxiety. Greater depths of discouragement. But you see, when we order our affections, we recognize things, but we don't camp on them. We turn our eyes upon Jesus, as the old song says, and we look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. What about depression, though? And I don't want to undermine this. Yeah, there are times when we kind of feel depressed. What I, what, what I do want us to understand is that true depression, real uh, full-on depression, as opposed to feeling down or, or low, is known as an emotional dislocation. It is not something that is right in our lives. And if that's the situation we're in, we can't just click out of it. You can't just pull yourself together and get over it. You need help. You need long-term counsel, prayer, and time. So it's not a quick fix, but we're not talking about that. So let's, if, if that's your situation, please speak to somebody. Because they are serious issues. If you are suffering from deep depression that you cannot find any way out of, please speak to one of the pastoral team. Please come and speak to one of the elders. Speak to your community group leader. Speak to somebody. Don't let the enemy lock you up in it. Speak to somebody. Get professional help. So recognizing that, Paul calls us to joy. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So very quickly then, our lives need to be therefore oriented in the Lord if we are to rejoice. The enemy likes to get our eyes off Jesus, on ourselves, on our circumstances, on the people around about us, and we lose our joy. Maybe as we are starting this new year together, you just need to take a moment as we're going to worship together in a minute just to refocus, to just say, yeah, Father, I, I recognize I've, I've, I've been distracted. I've got my eyes off you. And I, I'm, I'm coming this morning, and I, this is a time of recentering, reordering my affections, reordering my life, 
I'm just setting it on you this morning. Just setting it on you. Because he is the Lord who is sovereign. Rejoice in the Lord. It's in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. He is the sovereign Lord. He is sovereign over your life. He is sovereign over my life. He is sovereign over our lives. He is sovereign over the nations of the earth. No matter what the Brexit outcome is, he is sovereign. We rejoice in him because he saves. Oh, I could preach another message on this right away now, but I haven't got the time. But he saves. He forgives. He cleanses. He justifies us completely so it's just as if we'd never sinned. He fills us up with the righteousness of Christ. Our lives are now hidden with Christ in God. That should be something to make you joyful. To know that you are forgiven. So he saves, he sanctifies. He is the one who is also making us holy. It is in him that we are holy. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. It's not about you keeping your end up. He is already committed to keeping his end up. And he is as committed to you as he ever was. From the day he, he called you into his kingdom, right through to where you are at this moment in time, he is 100% committed to seeing you through to the end of the journey. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And then, through many dangers, toils and slayers. And then, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. Wow. We rejoice in him too, because Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you on your own, but I'm going to send one just like myself to be with you. And he's going to be with you in your very real earthly life, with all its trials and tribulations, its difficulties, its ups and downs. He's going to be with you. He is the spirit of joy. He will be with you. If we will be happy in God, we will have a happy life. Yeah? You know, this morning you can choose You can sit there and think, I haven't got it yet. If you know him, you have. And you can choose joy. So we're going to come and worship again. So if the band would like to come up and um, we're going to worship together. Just want to be open to the Holy Spirit in these, these minutes. And this will be doing things as we, we move into the two meetings. But let's just stand, shall we? Let's just stand in the presence of, of God who is joy in itself. God who is so full of joy, who made us for joy. Let's come and turn our eyes on Him. Let's, let's come and refocus our lives this morning and say, God, this year I'm setting my mind on knowing You better. I'm finding You as the source of my joy the source of my happiness, the source of life itself. Because Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And in the abundance of that life, there is an abundance of tremendous joy.